about this, I'm really delighted to be joined by three wise men, Jonathan Chan, Helbert Jung, and also Carlos Pang, the co-founders of the Horology Club. Welcome to the program, gentlemen, and thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me. There's so much to uncover, so perhaps let's start right from the beginning. Um, Jonathan, I'll start off with you first. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about uh, yourself. When did you start collecting um, watches? I actually only started collecting watches a few years ago, uh, influenced by my my good friend, Halbert, who's also here today. And I I worked in finance, and I decided that after 10 years of working, I wanted to get a nice watch to reward myself. And so about four or five years ago, that was my first watch, and now here here we are running a watch club. Oh, excellent. And what about you, Halbert? You're the one who got Jonathan hooked Um Tell us about about yourself, and and did you start collecting from a very young age? Uh, yes, guilty as charged. It seems like I've uh, gotten Jonathan into this mess. But uh, <laughs> you know, personally, um, I, I work in the insurance industry, so I'm an actuary uh, working in a reinsurance company. But uh, in my spare time, I collect watches, and you know, I founded a watch club with these two guys here. So, on your earlier question. Um, Actually, I started collecting from maybe like my uh, early 20s. My father gifted me a watch when I was 18. And since then, I've been very fascinated by mechanical watches. And when I started working, I guess, you know, I had a little bit of money and I just started collecting since then. All right. Uh, Well, we'll get more to your collections uh, maybe later on in the program. Uh, Carlos, what what about you? Uh, Tell us a little bit more about yourself. So, hi, my name is Carlos. I'm also working in finance. Actually, I was uh, Jonathan's ex-colleague. Oh. And one day in the office, I just noticed he's wearing an interesting watch. And we just hit it off like that and bonded over watches. Oh, wow. So and there's a common thread running through you three. Exactly. It's like watches the lubricant, as, as Jonathan said, like this smooth uh, friends building and bond building. And then... Now we are running a watch club together. Yes. Yeah, so tell us a, a little bit more about this watch club, the Horology Club. When did it all begin and, and what does it sort of include? Yeah, so we started this uh, the Horology Club in September 2021. So that was in the midst of COVID. And, um, you know, for those out there who may not be very familiar with watches, I think a, a lot of people st- started reading more about watches during the pandemic because they were stuck at home and there were a lot of newcomers into the hobby itself. And, you know, for us, I think at the time we wanted to actually build a a open, inclusive community in Hong Kong for watch collectors because we didn't, you know, spot anything that was on offer at the time. Uh, We didn't actually aim to uh, build such a large club at the time. You know, we... Uh, started with our first event of around 20 people and now we have close to 500 collectors in our community so it's been a very uh, enjoyable and quick growth journey for us which is very exciting yeah what's the appeal uh, about watches for for all three of you carlos what's the appeal for you why do you like watches so much um to me it's just having a little thing that you can enjoy um to collect and it's also about the people when you collect often you don't collect alone and you meet people you meet interesting people and it's about the stories behind the watches and some of these watches like people often buy watches to celebrate a special moment so so those moments are interesting to explore there's a 
apart from the watches, I think those stories are also equally important. Yeah. How about for you, Halbert? Yeah, I think for me, I feel like watches are sort of an extension of your personality in the way that your outfit is as well. So for me, what's appealing to me is the design of the watches in terms of like the mechanical movement inside or the design of the case itself. You know, some uh, watches tend to be of a weird case shape. So these are the things that I find really fascinating too. But I also agree with Carlos. A lot of it is also about the people, whether this be you know fellow collectors or people you meet within the watch industry, especially at the brands that, uh, that, that you like. And if they work there, then you can form a really uh, great connection with them and find out more about how these watches are made. Yeah, it's a great conversation starter as well. If other people also happen to like watches, you know, you ask them about their watch, there's always a story behind uh, that watch and perhaps where they bought it. Um, and if it's a special edition, then that conversation is sort of endless. Um, Hong Kong is an interesting place, I think. I've met a, a fair few sort of watch collectors and there are sort of magazines dedicated to watches here in Hong Kong. H have you met a lot of uh, watch collectors uh, in the city? Yeah, I'd say um, we, we've met so many collectors <laughs> in the past two years that we're almost running out of memory of remembering all the names. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a problem. So sometimes it's a bit embarrassing when when, when we, we see someone and then they're like, oh, we've met you before. Sorry, I forgot your name. There's just so many out there in Hong Kong, but it, it's great. It's, it's great to see that the passion is is collectively shared uh, amongst people here. And yeah, and there's there's and a lot of times. There's a lot of time we remember the the watches. Like we look at the watches. Oh, you've <laughs> seen this one before. So you remember you know, the watches <laughs> and not the people. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> We remember the people by the watches that they're wearing rather than the names. Yeah. So do watch collectors wear their watches or, you know, or is it such a special piece that you sort of keep it in a box to be admired? How do you sort of collect watches? Well, it just depends. So I think like watch collectors do wear their watches. Is that your question? Sorry, I didn't quite catch catch that. Yeah, sort of. I mean, when you collect something, are you are you admiring it or are you enjoying it? I mean, I, I suppose there are different ways to enjoy your watches. Do do you enjoy your or do people enjoy their watches by wearing them, or is it sort of kept in a box to be taken out to be looked at occasionally? I mean, who who are some of the people that you've come across? I think most of the watch collectors that I've came across do wear their watches. So some people um, would like to rotate um, between their watches in their collections and choose what to wear depending on their mood. Um, some collectors that I know even rotate between uh, watches intraday. So they will wear a watch in the morning, swap to another one in the afternoon, wow. and even sometimes ready to sleep. <laughs> even to sleep? Yes. Wow, they must really I guess <laughs> love their watches. I suppose because it's a mechanical watch, so you've got to keep it moving um, so you don't have to keep setting the time. Uh, yeah, I, that would be the function of, of some. However, there are, there are also watches where you actually have to manually wind it. So even if you're wearing it, it actually isn't, isn't automatic. So uh, personally for me, I do wear all my watches. I do think these things... While they're pieces of art, you, you also, they're also tools. They're also tools to tell the time. 
Uh, and like collecting many other things, you know, whether you collect wine or whiskey or cars, if you if you don't actually use that object, then it kind of defeats the purpose of it. Sure. Um, and how about you, Carlos? Do you wear your watches? I do wear my watches. I think it is the most easy way to quickly, like, um, appreciate the beauty and the craftsmanship on your watch. If you are, if it's always in a box or in a safe. It's just that little bit harder to to get to it. Sure, um, it's an interesting point that you mentioned, uh, Jonathan. You know, um, nowadays I must say people normally tell the time with their phones, um, and mm-hmm. when they do have watches, it's smart watches. Are people still mm-hmm. wearing watches? I think the smart watch thing definitely got a lot more popular with the introduction of Apple watches, and I think with the it actually increased the the awareness of wearing something on, on your wrist. Uh, from, from a collective point of view, from people who are into watches, Apple Watch is almost like the gateway drug. And we're actually noticing a lot of people, they actually might wear two watches, one being Apple Watch on one wrist, which gives you information on you know, your, 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 at the actual time. And on the other wrist, you actually wear something that you would appreciate for its design, for its creativity, and not so much the actual use of telling time, but more just appreciating that. Oh, actually, like I remember 10, 15 years ago, wearing wristwatches was kind of out of fashion. Not many people do it. But since the, uh, the release of the Apple Watch, I, I, I kind of noticed that more people have been wearing watches on their wrists, whether it be an Apple Watch or you know any kind of other types of wristwatch out there. So I agree with Jonathan that I think the invention of Apple Watch actually helped the watch industry because people are used to putting something on their wrist. I've seen people with two watches before, I must admit. Um, so let's talk about sort of the, the features that watch collectors look into when you're collecting uh, a watch. What are the sorts of things that you look out for? Yeah, so we actually think there are four main factors. Of course, there are other things as well. But for, for us, we think there are four main factors that collectors look out for. So these will be things like uh, design, which I talked about earlier, uh, complications, which is watches that give more function than telling time. These could include things like, um, you know, giving the, the right date, um, giving maybe chiming out the time of the day using some gongs and, and with sound. These are just some very basic examples of complications. Um, others will include like um, finishing a craftsmanship, so how well made the, the watch actually is. And the other would be, say, a uh, heritage value. So when you buy into a, a big brand, then a lot of what you're buying really is the, the brand value and the history behind the brand itself. And a lot of brands that we like nowadays you know, have been around for close to or even over 100 years. So there's a lot of value in heritage itself. Yeah. Uh, is it quite expensive to fix these sort of classic or, or, or these watches? I mean, what do you do when they break? Oh, well, presumably they don't always break because they're so expensive. But when they do break, do you send them off back to, I don't know, the, the, the manufacturers in Switzerland? Or, or do you get a watch guy to fix it here in Hong Kong? I think that probably depends on how expensive the, the watch is <laughs> itself. If it is a rather expensive watch, then I'd always prefer to have the original maker fix it. But otherwise, I think someone in Hong Kong will be able to do the, the, the same service. 
Yeah. Um, I ask that because I'm, I'm, I'm also genuinely interested in watches. And I had this discussion with a, with a watch fixer, um, you know, one of those, um, uh, he's a gentleman. Um, I won't mention his shop or anything, but he's a gentleman who's been in the watch industry for, for a long time. And he's, and he's since he was a young boy. So he, he often fixes these big brand watches for his clients. But during COVID, he, he mentioned one, um, one thing, and that was it's expensive to get those parts. It takes a long time to get those parts. And then, it, it just it's almost not worth having these expensive watches because say i don't know i'm just quoting an, an example maybe the watch itself might cost um a million hong kong dollars but to fix it it might cost you half a million including a two-year wait <laughs> so i don't you know is it is it an, an expensive hobby is it almost worth it if you have a an expensive watch like this well, sounds like a headache say- sounds like a headache <laughs> It, it, it is potentially a headache, but in that situation, I would say when specifically talking about vintage watches and old watches in general, having a watch that actually works, that doesn't need fixing, actually then elevates the value of the piece because then, then you don't need to go spend that half a million dollars to fix it. Hey, here's one that's already in top-notch condition uh, for a million dollars, so you don't have to factor that in. So I'd say this actually brings to a point where with vintage watches, the the, the condition of the watch itself is very is very precious. Okay, yeah, that's an interesting point. Well, for 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 purposes for purposes of disclosure, I was just in the watch shop changing a battery of my old Casio watch, so it wasn't like I wasn't some sort of like vintage <laughs> um, watch shop. But it was just an interesting discussion that I had uh, with with actually his name is Mister Chung, which I thought it was quite a funny mm. thing because um, he fixes clocks as well. So you know, in Cantonese, Chung is anyway. Um, I, I digress. Um, so let's talk about some of these unique watches that you've come across. Um, and and you're right. There is some sort of fascination about the sort of designs, the the angular faces that some of these watches might have. Um, can you talk us through some of these uh, unique watches that perhaps you've come across, um, Carlos? Um, maybe I'll start off with you first, sure. and then Halbert, and then we'll go to you, Jonathan. Uh, Carlos. Sure. So I think um, now most brands don't do like custom unique pieces unless you're expander. But it is still a bit more common for independent watchmakers um, that will, are willing to make unique pieces. Uh, one example, like I'm lucky to uh, be able to make a long period um, unique piece where I design the dial and then I just send a picture to, to the uh, watchmaker. Oh, and luckily cool. they are, Yeah, luckily they, they also like it and are happy to make it for me. So the process took around one year. But I think it's, it's worth it because you get something that you truly is uh, is truly bespoke for you. Wow! And, and, and do many think, watchmakers do that for you, or is it just sort of several companies that do that? I think there are still several uh, companies that still does that. It's always you can always look around. Okay, interesting. And how about you? Uh, for you, uh, Helbert. Yeah, so for me, it's probably uh, our uh, first, you know, collaboration project for the Horology Club uh, that I feel like is a really unique story because originally we actually never really wanted to make a, or wanted to start a club or, or make a special piece. We actually started by designing a watch for our own group of friends who are into watches. Um, 
but when Harbring asks, well, the brand itself is called Harbring, which is an independent watchmaker based in Austria, asked us what we want to engrave on the back. We just thought, oh, we'll come up with a name called the Horology Club. <laughs> uh, and slowly afterwards, we decided to form the community and publicize our events and invite others to join us as well. So this uh, watch itself, we made uh, 10 off and we made for exclusively for our community. Uh, represents sort of the genesis of our club, which for me is a very unique story behind this. Yeah, that's really kind of exclusive, 10 piece, uh, t- ten pieces. Um, how about you, for you, Jonathan? Um, I think for me, joining, being part of a community and meeting all these collectors, I've really opened my eyes to, to special pieces and unlocking that idea that watches don't actually have to be conventionally design so what i mean like when we imagine what a watch should look like instantly we think of a a round circle maybe two three hands however ever ever since being part of this community i now have been able to to see these watches that some of them are 3d sculptured you know they look like spaceships they look nothing like like a watch (laughs) and and uh it almost looks like you put a sculpture on your on, on your wrist um, that that looks like a UFO or, or a rocket ship or a race car. So I think those pieces have definitely been some of the more unique timepieces that have uh, have that come across. Yeah. So um, uh, finally, a, a couple of more questions um, to, to chat about: Are watches um, a sort of a good investment? <clears throat> maybe I'll, maybe I'll take this one. Sure. I'd say traditionally, no. It's uh, it, it's been over time on, on average watches do not make money it's only been in recent times that there have been this idea that's been floating floating around that hey maybe you buy this and you'll make money but historically speaking watches have, have never been uh, uh, a well-performing asset class so i'd say if you're approaching the hobby from an angle where you, you buy something that you enjoy uh, anything that comes afterwards is, is really just a bonus. Um, given you're spending so much time with this thing on your wrist, maybe even more time with your significant other or your family, uh, you're going to be going to work, you're going to be wherever you're going, you're going to have this on your wrist. It needs to be something that you enjoy. So I, I feel like the investment value side of things is not the primary driver. Mm-hmm. So whether or not, whether or not it, you're able to make money from it, that shouldn't be that shouldn't be 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 the primary driver of, of wearing a wristwatch. Spoken like a true watch collector, really just enjoying the, the, the timepieces rather than yeah. using them to make yeah. to, to to make money. Although um, people have said that you know when you buy something um, uh, earlier on and then after a few years suddenly it becomes a limited edition. Have you seen a lot of that happening with watches? Sometimes that definitely that happens and and. But nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody knows how trends change in the future. Something that's popular now might not be popular in the future. And we've seen that happen in the watch industry a lot. Trends change a lot. So once again, I just have to repeat, you know, just buy what you enjoy. And then, and then whatever happens after, then it's really just a bonus. Yeah. For myself, yes, investment is how I justify it to my wife so that she doesn't get that. <laughs> I hope she's not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's hilarious. Um, what do you mean by that, Albert? Ex- explain that a little bit. I'm sorry, that was Carlos. I'm oh, sorry, big upon. I'm oh, sorry, Carlos. I'm big upon. Carlos, explain that a little bit more. So I, I do agree with uh, Jonathan. I think traditionally, uh, watches are not a, a good investment because until recently, uh, most watches that you buy probably lose half the values after you, you strap it on on your wrist, just like a car. But recently, I guess, uh, under the influence of some celebrities, some pieces have skyrocketed in values. Not sh- no one knows if that will continue or not. But um, to continue this this uh, collecting journey, often one will have to justify your your purchase, your hobby to your loved ones, and that's what I use as a as an excuse and an investment. Fair enough. Thank you, Carlos. And how about you, for for, for you, Halbert? Is it a good investment? Yeah, I mean, uh, I echo I what the other two just said about the historical performance of watches as an asset class. But for me, I also purely, um, you know, approach watchmaking from a, a passion angle where it's all about whether I enjoy the piece or not and not about whether it has investment value. So maybe if I flip the question around, it's kind of like asking you if you will say wear a, a top or a pair of shoes that you don't agree with, even if I tell you it's going to make you a lot of money. <laughs> you, you wouldn't because it's a reflection of your personality, like your outfit is kind of a signal to the world of what, what, what type of person, what type of tribe you're in. Right? So uh, I feel like, for collecting watches, it's best to just you know, keep it at a, a personal enjoyment level. Yeah. yeah, very diplomatic answers indeed. I'm going to ask a slightly sort of, um, maybe it's a dumb question, I, I don't know. Um, so the whole point of enjoying these watches is that they are mechanical pieces. You know, you look at the craftsmanship. I must admit that there are a lot of quartz watches which cost a lot of money. Um now we're not talking about whether they are investment pieces. Are they worth the the amount that they cost? Or what are your personal thoughts on that? I feel I feel like quartz is is definitely great technology. I mean, at the end of the day, these things were supposed to tell time, and quartz it's hard to be more accurate than a quartz watch. And so for 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 us to just ignore quartz technology would be would be almost a bit silly. Quartz watches, they some watches have the value derived from the movement, the mechanical movement, but also I'd say a big feature of, of a watch that gets value is also its design. So a, a quartz watch that has a very well-designed case, a very well-designed dial can also be worth something as long as the, the, the collector or the end user knows what he know what know, knows what they're getting into. And if, if they like the design and they buy that, then it's worth something. Okay. And finally, um, now you also have a YouTube channel. Um, so what do you talk about there and, and what can our listeners expect to find there? Yeah, so what we're trying to achieve with our YouTube channel really is to spread the word about watch collecting and watchmaking and particularly in areas that we are very passionate about. So this will include things like uh, independent watchmaking. Uh, so for the audience who may not know, uh, independent watchmaking is kind of like a, a bunch of brands in the modern day that are making artisanal watches in very small quantities. Uh, they may make 
from say uh, a dozen watches to maybe like less than a thousand, like a few hundred watches a year. So for the watchmaking industry, this is a very, very minuscule uh, level of production. And that's why they're able to um, focus on the quality and innovation of watches, right? So in our YouTube channel, we talk a lot about these type of watches because firstly, they are things that fascinate us. And secondly, um, you know, if people want to learn more about the big brands, then there's also a lot more other sources of information that they can refer to. So all we're trying to do is really to educate people and um, give them different options that they can consider and they can look beyond the usual suspects when they're looking at their next watch purchase. That's great. And remind our listeners once again, how can we find out more about the Horology Club? Are you on social media? Yes. So we, our website is uh, thehorologyclub.com and we're also on Instagram. Our handle is at the .horology.club and we also have a YouTube channel where our handle is at the Horology Club. Excellent. Well, Carlos, Pang, Halbert, Jung, and also Jonathan Chan, thank you so much for your time uh, this morning. I really, really enjoyed chatting with you and learning so much about watches. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you, Noreen. Thank you for having us. I've been dreaming about the West Coast.